Hey everybody, Ops Fitness is back and we have a really great episode this week with Georgette Reed. She's an amazing lady and I hope you guys all, all enjoy it. Welcome to Ops Fitness Podcast with your host, Scott Bisbee. Hi everyone, this is Ops Fitness Podcast with Georgette Reed. Georgette, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you, Scott? Good, good. How long have you lived in Edmonton for? Uh, I moved in Edmonton in January of 2002, right after um, I was here in uh, July of 2001 competing at the World Athletics Championships and loved the city and loved the atmosphere and was looking for a place to move. So moved here the following January. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Georgia. Um, what was your upbringing like and what made you um, uh, go into the Olympics? Well, um, I was born and raised in Regina. Uh, my dad was playing football there. His name is uh, George Reed. So he played for Saskatchewan Rough Riders for uh, about 13 years. And um, so I was born and raised in Regina. and. Uh, got into sports, uh, first with swimming, and uh, it was doing fairly well. I got to the international levels and then had some shoulder injuries that kind of uh, sidelined me when I was in university. And um, just by fortune, decided to walk onto the track team and uh, found out I was good at throwing things. You know, not, necess- not necessarily at people, but, you know, at the, or targets just have for distances. So got into throwing a shot put and discus and um, worked on that and my strength and two things went together and before I knew it I was breaking records and qualifying for the Olympic team for Canada and uh, and then just kind of um, moved forward from there got a chance to compete uh, for Canada for uh, about 17 years and then retired in 2003 and got into coaching for about another uh, 10 or so years and, um, and then kind of split uh, off that career and uh, got into the health and wellness uh, 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 portfolio that I'm uh, working on now with uh, fire rescue services. Wow. So uh, you uh, represented Canada in the shot put event. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, shot put at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. Um, it's been fantastic uh, event. It was a uh, um, an awesome opportunity. I uh, uh, ended up top 15 in the world, and um, it was a pretty uh, wonderful experience. And then I used that to kind of help bolster my career for the next 12 or so years, and then uh, left uh, competing and got into coaching and coached at the 2004 and 2008 Olympics, uh, eight, 2008 Paralympics. Wow, that must have been an, an amazing experience. Oh. It was fantastic uh, working uh, with uh, Paralympic athletes and, and even athletes um, at the Special Olympics level has been something that's been near and dear to me because you see what people can do. They're, they're presented with a challenge um, physically or intellectually and they show you that it doesn't matter. You know, th- those things don't matter. All that matters is the size of your heart and you're willing to try and to, and to not, uh, not worry about the stuff you can't change. 
So can you tell me the difference between the Special Olympics and the Paralympics? Because there's a lot of people like myself that kind of think they're one and the same, but I know they're not. And why is it that um, when the Olympics are on, uh, people uh, forget about the uh, Paralympics, which comes right after, like they don't get not nearly as big coverage. Well, okay. Well, the, the first part of your question is the Special Olympics and Paralympics um, are two different entities. The Special Olympics are for athletes with an intellectual disability. Um, they may also have some kind of a physical impairment, but mostly it's an intellectual disability. And they have uh, their own Special Olympics. Um, they have their own international games and world games, both summer and winter as well. Um, they're not uh, promoted as much, although you, will, you may see uh, a special weekend uh, special or something like that um, showing off what the, the Special Olympics athletes are doing. For the Paralympics, the Paralympics are an event for athletes with physical impairment of some kind. Um, it could be an amputation, um, it could be a blindness, it could be uh, maybe uh, dealing with cerebral palsy, or for, uh, uh, for athletes with uh, uh, height limitations. Uh, there's um, many different classes, and some athletes may have um, several uh, combinations of, of different um, physical impairments, but then they'll go on a classification system to decide where they best will um, compete. Uh, most people get the two mixed up, um, I think just because of the word Olympic is in there. Yeah. Unfortunately, neither the Paralympics um, nor the Special Olympics get the attention I think that they deserve. The Paralympics especially, even though they've gotten a lot more notor um, notoriety in the last dozen years or, or so, or 20 years or so, because now that they're linked up with the um, Olympics and they usually um, take place two weeks after the Olympics concludes both summer and winter uh, the amount of um, news coverage uh, 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 the amount of reporting on the Paralympics um, is far far less than what you'll see at the Olympics and it could be for for many reasons um, mostly the Paralympics is a bit bit smaller of an event so um, the media coverage sometimes just takes clips of um, some of the events and then spools them together in, in nightly or weekend specials. And um, uh, it could be a, a sponsorship thing as well. I mean, some of the sponsors that do cover the Olympic team also um, support the Paralympic team. But uh, usually it's, it's just not publicized as much or it's not as... Um, widely widely recognized i believe okay uh th that totally makes sense uh but yeah i think uh more people uh, should get into it because like you said earlier i've never seen so many athletes with with so much heart it's incredible oh the heart and and um the, the, the will to just to, yeah. to just you know do whatever it takes um to compete at the highest ability is phenomenal and, and the Paralympics to see what they do. They don't think about their limitations. They don't think about what they can't do. They only think about what they can do and what's, and what's achievable. And that's very, very inspiring to me. And for Special Olympics, for me, that's pure sport. 
that's competing for the love of competing. You know, um, you know they'll celebrate if, if they win, but it's more about getting out there and being with their friends and competing and really celebrating the true meaning of sport. Exactly, and I think everyone can take something away from that. Definitely, definitely. So how did you get into uh, the position you are now with uh, Edmonton Fire, uh, the health and wellness core of the NATO? Well, um, I was um, coaching for quite a, a, a number of years and was the head coach at the University of Alberta for, for 10 years for track and field and cross country programs and was also a sessional instructor. And um, during that time, I had, um, I, I really worked on my, on my, coaching craft and, and really worked on just knowledge from so, from many different sources and very many different areas. And so um, worked in psychology, worked in kinesiology, worked in um, you know, adult education, like being able to how to really teach and, and um, affect change. And an opportunity came up. Uh, my position at the university um, had finished and an opportunity came up to work with the city as their, their health um, promotion consultant. So I came to the city of Edmonton um, and worked in the, uh, the corporate safety and health services division. That's what it was called at the time. And um, really enjoyed it and found that not so much just talking about physical health, but also really paying attention to mental health. And so I really used a lot of the skills and tools that I had gotten in university from being a mentor and a crisis um, counselor and, and those types of things and brought that with me to the city and then became a mental health first aid instructor and was really enjoying that, that role but wanting to, to move forward a little bit more. An opportunity came to join FIRE and so I joined um, uh, FIRE and and um, came on board mostly to start getting a, a mental health program uh, up and going because I found that, you know, physical, physical um, fitness is, is important for the job, but um, you can't really be fully and wholly um, well without both a balance or a flow of both positive uh, mental health physical health, emotional health, et cetera. Exactly. It's uh, one part of the solution. And I am ecstatic what uh, most fire departments are doing all over North America because I am huge into fitness and uh, I have a background as a firefighter too. Um, I was a volunteer and I served in the Canadian Forces in uh, Cold Lake as a firefighter. So this is uh, really incredible to me that uh, the big uh, cities are, uh, are taking fitness, uh, healthy living, and all that uh, into uh, bettering the firefighters. Oh, definitely. Um, it's something that, um, it, you know, it's been a, mental health issues and, and, and dealing with the things that firefighters see that they can't unsee has been, um, you know, a, probably a, something that should have been, you know, top of mind for for decades. But it was one of those things where the stigma of mental health and and the inability to be able to say that you're not okay today um, 
really kind of hampered and put up a bit of a roadblock to stop people from being able to to really maybe get the help they needed or you know the stigma saying you know um if you admit that you're not okay then you're weak or you know you need to suck it up or you need to to grow a pair or something like that 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 all those types of uh, mentalities and mindsets really hampered um you know the the growth of of decent mental health um, awareness and programs for many years and so we realized especially in the health and wellness field that you know it's not just about you know pumping iron and, and having big muscles or or being able to you know last for hours and hours and hours on a call physically you need to be able to to draw from uh, a healthy reserve mentally and emotionally to be able to sustain and be successful in what you're doing yeah, no, no, uh, for sure, without a doubt. What does uh, your typical uh, day look like? Oh, it varies. It depends <laughs> on, on the day. I mean, I, I do quite a bit as far as still on the physical physical health side. I'm, uh, uh, I work with uh, the maintenance and organization of, of all of our fitness facilities. We have, uh, I think, 31 in the city that I kind of look after to make sure that everything's going well and replacing um, broken parts and bits and pieces. And then uh, I have a pure fitness uh, training team of about 26 instructors that I work with so that we can get uh, education and information out on physical fitness training, mobility, um, just proper ways of being able to do things functionally for the body. So then that way that helps preserve um, firefighters bodies and, and dispatchers and and prevention officers and investigations they they have tools to be able to maintain their bodies so that way when they do finish and retire that they can still be as healthy if not healthier than what they were the day they started so we run programming um, with that group and that's focused through the wellness fitness fitness initiative through the IAFF and so we are working in conjunction with them and, and their overall certification and, and planning to make sure that we're, we're doing things properly and correctly. I also um, manage uh, and I'm a liaison with our medical provider. Um, we run a medical clinic to help firefighters with um, presumptive cancer screenings. And so we offer occupational health medicals to all of our all of our uh, uniform staff so that way they are able to one not just know their numbers but to be able to see if there are there are some um, detrimental or hazardous effects of uh, uh, going to some of these large events and some of these fires where sometimes the uh, chemicals can be um, quite um, yeah corrosive yeah corrosive and, and dangerous where I mean it used to be where you know it was just you know, wood and different things. And now some of the, the building materials can actually have um, even a much more damaging effect. So we have our, our medical clinic to make sure that uh, we can look after our firefighters, that they know their numbers and we can catch things early and um, with the presumptive cancer screenings and, and make sure that uh, uh, firefighters can have a long, healthy career and then and then retire. Um, I also, I do other things around the, the um, the department as well based on uh, what's needed whether it's helping out with occupational health and safety um, 
uh, and other other uh, recruitment and outreach and things at the training academy. And then um, with the mental health programming, I'm an instructor for uh, mental health first aid. I'm a master trainer for R2MR. Um, I also am a master trainer for um, psychological first aid and am trained in SISM and ASSIST and some of the other mental health programs. So here I backed off my role as far as being um, day-to-day with uh, the management of the mental health programming. We've actually hired a mental health coordinator. We're one of the first services in, uh, in definitely in Canada, but maybe even North America, to have a mental health coordinator to specifically look at the uh, needs of our firefighters um, from the mental health and, and emotional health side. And then again, looking more at holistic health, the two of us work together to kind of look at what we call behavioral health and to make sure that um, we are looking at the whole person, um, mind, body, spirit, emotion, um, all those types of things to make sure that um, we are doing our best to help them to, to the best of our potential. Uh, this is uh, incredible. I, I really feel uh, the fire service uh, has gone like full circle now and uh, they have encompassed everything, uh, which is great. I'm actually uh, looking at uh, doing that mental uh, first aid course uh, in a few weeks here in Edmonton. Oh, it's a fantastic course. It's one of the courses I love to teach. And um, I'm very fortunate because um, I've gotten a chance to to teach it outside of um, Edmonton Fire and work with uh, Parks Canada and some of their their staff. And I think uh, one of the areas that on a whole that we we all need to look at are are our volunteer firefighters and our our, our, um, rural services or our our services that aren't um, not in the urban centers because I think sometimes they get forgotten. Um, one, they don't have the budgets, the huge budgets that, that uh, the city has sometimes to be able to go through some of the training that uh, some of our, our um, structural firefighters are able to do. And uh, they see quite horrific things too. And being a volunteer firefighter or, or somebody who um, is quite isolated, you'll see things that um, you really probably weren't prepared to yeah. see, you know, especially with the car accidents and and different things like that. And so I think getting mental health first aid and, and road to mental readiness and, and any kind of mental health training and skills out to as many people that are involved in first responder um, occupations is huge because, uh, again, like I said earlier, um, there are so many things that uh, fire and first responders see that they can't unsee. You know, first to seen many, many times and, uh, you know, heartbreak and, and being able to still uh, do your job and be of assistance to others um, at their worst um, time. Yeah, exactly. And I'll always uh, remember this. This is a part of the brotherhood uh, and uh, about the mental side too. Uh, when I was a volunteer, I was probably uh, 18 years old. We were responding to a call, and um, Buddy uh, shot himself and lit the car on fire. When we uh, got on scene, uh, they were telling me to uh, turn my head uh, away from the window, 
And uh, as soon as uh, uh, we got call, called off, as soon as we got there, so um, me being a nosy teenager, I kind of wanted uh, to uh, look at the cars we were driving by, but they had the they put the top up over the car so no one could see. And now I, I kind of like really appreciate that. Like uh, that, I don't know, but that may have uh, could have screwed me up, but who knows. Right. And that's, that's pretty cool what they did. Well, definitely. It's, it's one of those things where if you don't really need to see it, then don't put yourself in in harm's way or in in jeopardy because you never know what's going to trigger you you never know what's going to bring up some kind of a response that you weren't expecting and it could be something that might have happened in your childhood or it could be something from an earlier call um, in your career that you thought you had dealt with or you didn't even know that had bothered you and then you'll get something you know some vicarious trauma from something that you didn't need to be exposed to, but you exposed yourself to. And because of that, you've triggered, um, you know, um, other, other memories or other things that, um, could, could, could really, you know, set you back further than you ever imagined. And I always say to people, yeah, you know, we all have that curiosity, but, uh, sometimes that curiosity can get you in trouble. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's a need to know if it's, if you're right, in the thick of it, on the scene, trying to be that first responder that, that is helping that person at the time, then you're right in it and you need to know and, and you, you deal with, um, with, with that call the best of your ability. And then if you find that you're shaken afterward, go get help. It's okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help because you're responding to, um, you're having a normal response to an abnormal event. You know, it, it shouldn't be every day that you're seeing dead bodies and, and, and different things, but we have to all know that it's a sign of strength to ask for help. And it's not um, a weakness uh, uh, of your character or, or any kind of a, a personality defect um, if you do have adverse reactions to things. And so I think by, by shielding people sometimes from the potential of having that trigger or or from that horrific scene that could cause an adverse reaction i think is is important yeah i i totally agree and i'm a totally different person uh, when i was then and i also find now that i'm older different things uh trigger me like uh, i have kids now so when i see something uh, with kids that kind of triggers me a bit right so yeah oh definitely definitely um I, I i've talked to to many a firefighter who's had that that issue where they might have been on a call you know six or seven years ago and it had no effect on them but you know in the last few years they've had a family and and then all of a sudden they go to a call and it's something similar it could be the same nightgown it could be the same bedding or whatever as as their child and that can trigger something that they didn't even realize. So it's really important to to stay on top of things and and take advantage of of you know peer support or, or close friends or um, uh, opportunities to to be able to debrief and and to diffuse and and talk about things and um, 
sometimes people don't want to talk right away and that's all right. You give them their space, but you always have to give that person the opportunity to, to talk if they need to, because there's so much that happens that keeping it in only um, causes you to kind of wither away from the inside out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, to uh, ch change tracks a bit, um, you mentioned Olio that uh, you have a uh, staff. I know other uh, fire departments like uh, Vaughn in Ontario, they have a few personal trainers on staff. Do you guys or no? Uh, no, we just have, we have our, our firefighters that have gone through um, certification training through ACE to um, be peer fitness trainers. And so they've gotten, they've had to go through a rigorous course and, um, and uh, very scrutinized testing to be able to then deliver um, physical fitness programs uh, to other fire personnel. Uh, we have some people that have continued on and that are um, coaches at, at other levels, um, strength and conditioning coaches, um, CrossFit coaches, gymnastics coaches, weightlifting coaches. We have it all within the fire department. So we've got we t try to tap into some of those talents and, and bring those people on board, um, make sure that they are um, certified with our standard uh, training and then make use of their outside training and outside interest to, to really try to create um, well-rounded fitness programs for our, for our firefighters and for our uniform staff. So that way, you know, they can be um, fit for duty, but then also fit for, for life after duty. Wow, so uh, this is basically another career path then in the in the Edmonton Fire Service, or no? No, actually, this is a kind of a voluntary of, of part that the firefighters take upon themselves to assist our department in, in creating a better um, fitness uh, lifestyle and culture. Um, for some, they do go and get extra training and take it outside of the fire department and, and uh, use it as a, a outside career or another career. Um, but it's mostly people that are really interested in making sure that, uh, that firefighters stay healthy and that people stay healthy and that they're, they're healthy to retire and that they, they can get the, the assistance they need with mobility and, and stretching and how to warm up properly and how to deal with, um, rehabbing an in injury such as a shoulder or a knee or those types of things so you know we take a lot of our a lot of our information from um, the professionals around us and and really try to build programs that we find and feel are beneficial to our to our service members wow that's uh, really awesome uh, I am uh, certified uh, through ACE so that's uh, pretty cool yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful program, and it was it was quite challenging. I mean, I I decided to take it as well, just to kind of make sure that uh, that what we were teaching is along the lines that you know it was solid um, with the certification, and everything, and it was a fantastic opportunity. And uh, it really does it it really is um, focused on on firefighter health and looking at you know some of the trends as far as what the most common injuries are and ways of movement, repetitive movement, those types of things, and then being able to create programming to, to assist with uh, having a, a healthier, a healthier career. Um, you know, through all the other, other training that I've taken, I found it, it's kind of given me a nice well-rounding of, uh, of knowledge because I believe that, you know, it's, it's good to, to 
you have a lot of information, but then you need to be able to have a, a good barometer to, to kind of know what is useful, what's not useful, and where to best apply it and how to best apply it. There's a lot of people out there that have a ton of knowledge that they've gotten from Google or they've gotten from from certain courses or certain groups and and there's not one thing that's great for everybody so I am a, a firm believer of you know take in as much information as you can but then make sure that what you are doing is right for you and is right for um, your capabilities your limitations your movement and then find those things that are going to inspire you to keep to keep moving forward because we can all find the best programs in the world and, and we've seen them. We've seen, you know, incredible programming, you know, whether it's through Exos or Czech or or Agatsu or or ACE or NSCA or et cetera. But if you don't use the program, it, it doesn't matter how good it is. It's not gonna do you any good. So you have to find things that inspire you and things that fit into your lifestyle and things that are are gonna make you wanna move and, and uh and feel better preaching to the choir i agree a hundred percent i'm a big buff on, on mobility as you know and i i believe that people need to do a lot of a, you know proper warming up and, and proper preparation of the body to do the, the movement you need to do because it's little things that will actually end up toppling you if you don't pay attention to them so uh, big things take care of themselves you gotta look after the little stuff first I uh, totally agree. When you uh, had us do uh, the cross call uh, march, uh, you, you call it a different name, but uh, when you had uh, everyone do that during the open house a few months ago, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. This is like original strength. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bear walks and the, and the lizard crawls and the spider and I mean, there's so many different names for all this stuff, but basically it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like taking the world's greatest stretch, you know, with the hip flexors and the, and the hamstrings and the, and the back and all that and making sure that you're mobilizing those key areas in your body that usually get neglected. Hip flexors get neglected. The hips get neglected a lot um, overall. And I think people really need to pay attention to the hips because if you don't pay attention to your hips, then even though you may feel it in your back or your shoulder or your knee or your ankle, if it originates from the hip, no matter what, how much work you do on that knee, that hip, or that knee and, and ankle or back or shoulder, it's not gonna do you any good. So you really gotta pay attention to what's happening at the hips. And and I think just by, again, looking at the smaller pieces and what makes things tick, it's uh, it's incredible what you can learn and, and how you can actually affect change in your body. Exactly. And uh, this is gonna lead into my next question, but uh, what do you think the number one thing uh, firefighters can improve upon to have a long-lasting career? Um, well, I think it's two things. I think it's, it's um, physically, I, I think it is looking at mobility and making sure that you're, you're always moving. You're always finding ways of, of keeping your body kind of in play and, and, and in flow. Um, there's gonna be times when we're tired, there's gonna be times when we're sore, but we have to find ways of being able to mobilize and, and, and work with um, joints and muscles and things. So that way you're always keeping them to the point where they're functioning effectively for you. Um, I think on the other side, it's that mental health piece, knowing when to take a break, 
knowing when to say, you know what, I need some help. Um, and feeling comfortable to be able to do that, have being in an environment and creating an environment where people feel comfortable to say, you know what, I'm not okay today. Um, just keep an eye on me or I'm not okay today. I need a timeout or I'm not okay today. You know, let, let's talk or I need some help. I think those are crucial components to being able to, to um, keep yourself healthy and fit, especially being, um, a first responder, firefighter. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a question about sleep now. How does uh, Edmonton file uh, combat a lack of sleep? I know it's uh, a double-edged sword because they get called uh, in the middle of the night and they, uh, most stations, you, you can't really have like uh, a full five-hour uh, good night sleep. So, how do you guys combat that? And that's an ongoing challenge. It's something that we're, what we're working on. We, we research and try to get as much information as we can. We're, we're, we've uh, done a, a few things in the past with the University of Alberta because um, they're constantly studying um, sleep and sleep patterns and things like that. So whenever they have offerings, um, we make sure that we um, take part in those. Um, we also, you know, go with some of the basic knowledge, you know, that um, you've got to be able to um, have proper nutrition. You've got to be able to set yourself up a kind of a, a sleep regime or a sleep schedule or something to be able to assist with sleeping, whether if it's a, a regimen or, or something that, you know, before you go to bed, you, you do certain things to set yourself up or when you're coming off of night shift, making sure that um, you, you know, kind of trick your circadian rhythm as, as best you can, you know, trying to keep things more dark and, and, uh, and uh, not exposing yourself to a lot of light or caffeine or things like that when you're coming off a night shift, which can throw your, your body out of a whack even more and, and make it harder for you to, to get that, that extra rest. Um, I'm also a big uh, uh, a promoter of naps. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when your body's telling you that you need a little bit of, of of rest then then take it if that sometimes that can be just a 15 minute nap but that can make a, a huge difference for some people and i'm also a big fan of uh, meditation and mindfulness um being able to shut yourself um down a little bit and really focus on your breathing and really focus on just concentrating on on something really positive and and giving yourself a 10 or 15 minute reprieve can help sustain you and help kind of keep you um, going until you're able to, you know, take that time where you can, where you're off shift and you can actually um, get more of the sleep that you need. Um, but it's something that I think all first responders battle because uh, anything that deals with shift work, um, you're always going to be in a sleep def deficit. You can't really make that sleep up. And so it's something that where you have to find other little, other little um, modes or, or other little um, tools to use to be able to assist you to, to um, get your body the rest that it needs. No, uh, exactly. I totally agree with you. Have you heard of um, 2472 uh, shifts? Um, I've uh, heard that being thrown a lot, uh, especially in the States. And I'm just wondering if uh, 
you heard anything about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Different different um, services use different scheduling uh, tactics, and uh, fire rescue uses a um, uh, uh, two days on, two days uh, two days two days on, two nights on, two days off, two days on, two nights on, and then six days off. And that's the 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 schedule it uses right now. Days are 14 hours and or sorry, days are, are uh, 10 hours and uh, nights are 14 hours. And um, that's the way that, that Edmonton Fire Rescue Services does their platoon shifting. Um, different services use different things just depending upon um, their, their makeup, their numbers, their demand, um, their service. Uh, some people are, are highly in favor of, of the 24 on and, uh, and two or three off. Um, it just depends. Uh, you know, I've had some people that have talked to me and said that, you know, it would be neat to try that here, but it, it takes a lot um, of uh, planning and scheduling. And I think the service has worked really well with the planning and scheduling that they have right now. Um, can there be improvements? There can always be improvements, but I think um, we do the best that we can with what we have. And then when we know better, we do better and we keep trying to move forward the best we can to um, make it uh, an effective service, um, not only for our firefighters and for our um, uniform staff, but also for um, the citizens that we serve. Right on, right on. No, that makes uh, perfect sense. Um, what advice would you give to a smart driven kid that wants to become a first responder, whether uh, he or she wants to be a fireman or a firewoman or a policeman or in the military? Um, first responders are, are a different breed. I mean, it's one of those things where you, you want to give back. You want to be um, the person who is um, there helping people at, the, at their worst time. I think it's about being making sure that you're you're well balanced and that you have all of your ducks in a row when you um, apply and when you decide to come on. So making sure that you've thoroughly researched um, the the area that you want to go into, whether it be fire or police or, or EMS, and understand um, what the what the calls are, um, what types of calls, call volume, different things that you could be exposed to, as well as um, making sure that it's the right thing for you. Uh, for fire, many of the calls um, are medical calls, uh, always first on the scene. So if you're coming into fire with the, with the illusion that you're just going to be fighting, fighting fires all the time and that all your calls are going to be fire calls, then you, you're doing yourself a disservice. So the re doing the research and making sure that you've, you've um, gone through the process and made sure that this is a career that you want is, is huge. I think then it's, it's preparing yourself to the best of your ability, um, making sure that you're in top physical condition, making sure that you meet all the requirements that are needed for, for any of those disciplines. And then also making sure that um, you've got good support system, that you've got um, good support for your mental health, for your emotional health, and um, people that are going to understand the lifestyle that you're, that you're, um, engaging in and that are there to support you. Oh, that, no, that, that's great. That's great. Um, so the last part of the podcast, uh, rapid fire questions, uh, no bull. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
Love it. Um, so just uh, one or two world responses. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, great. Best purchase under $100. Best purchase under $100. Um, mm. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I've had, so, I've had so many neat little things. Um, I think a foam roller. Nice. Yeah, I love those foam rollers. Yeah, or, or even a lacrosse ball. Yeah, lacrosse ball works too. Um, favorite exercise? Squats. Squats. You got to squat. People, people like fear away from it or shy away from it, but you got to squat. And you'll, you know, when you're young, you, you think it's all about the weight and everything else. I think it's all about mobility and range of motion. And when you get into your 60s and your 70s and the toilet gets farther and farther away, you'll be glad that you learned how to squat. Totally agree. Um, squats are my uh, weakest link, and um, I'm working on them right now. And I don't like it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. It'll make you stronger in many uh, ways. I actually uh, started uh, a challenge. Uh, it didn't really go anywhere. I started it back in uh, January. It's called the Ops Fitness Challenge. Well, it's uh, 100 push-ups and 100 squats per day. Wow, that's a lot. That's that's a lot on the back on the front side of the body because that's all we're in the sagittal plane. So, it's it, even though it's a, it's a fantastic challenge, I would also add in some supplemental exercises on the back side of the body, something some pulls or um, some mobility because doing a lot of that work on the sagittal front side of the body, you're going to notice your shoulders going to start to to ache a little bit more. Um, and uh, yeah, that's. Sorry, that's my soapbox. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's totally fair. I uh, do it on top of my uh, normal uh, exercise program. So. Well, make sure recovery is huge too because yeah. you can squat lots, but you, you only get bigger and you only get stronger when you rest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there are days where uh, I don't feel like doing it and I just listen to my body and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do my uh, exercise routine today. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> So, uh, what's your favorite piece of exercise equipment? Uh, right now, it's a band. There's so many things that you can do with bands, whether it be banded loops um, to do different um, prehab or recovery exercises, or just um, you know different weighted uh, or strength of uh, fitness bands. Um, there's some amazing things that that you're able to do with those, and they're portable, and you can take them anywhere. And you can still end up having a really good workout even when you're away from the gym. So that way you, you never have to say, I wasn't able to get to the gym today. I couldn't do my workout. You can still do 15 or 20 minutes with your bands and uh, keep yourself uh, in, uh, in good physical condition. Bands are incredible. But uh, really now this day and age, th there should be no excuse because uh, you got bands, you got TRX, and you got like kettlebells. That's like, three or four hundred exercises you could do right there oh exactly there's so much you can do i have all of that in my little home gym um i just i love bands because they're easy to pack kettlebells are a little harder to pack in your lounge <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's for sure um what is your favorite song my favorite song yes um well there's probably two um uh, you Gotta Be by Desiree, which was fr from probably about 15 years ago. Yeah. And it just talks about being 
being strong, being wise, being kinder, those types of things. And then, and then there's another song, um, uh, Believe by Yolanda Adams. And that song is just really too about not giving up and just believing in yourself. Um, there are so many songs that I love. I mean, if I had to just go for one that's pure joy, it would be September by Earth, Wind and Fire. That'll be the song I play at my, uh, at my funeral or at my celebration of life for sure. Um, it's just something that brings me joy every time I hear it. Nice. That's, that's awesome. I like those tunes too. So that's basically the end of the podcast. Is there anything you would uh, like to uh, share with Georgette? And uh, if uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you, how can they? Yeah. Um, I just believe that, you know, with so much information out there, be true to yourself, find what works for you and do what you need to do to make yourself better. Um, Self-care is not selfish, but sometimes people think that by looking after themselves that, that they're being selfish, and it's not. You, you need to look after yourself before you can look after other people. So take care of yourself, self-care, do what works for you, um, be kind to other people, do the best you can. And, um, yeah, I am. Uh, you can find me at uh, Station 1 at uh, Fire Rescue Services. Um, in Edmonton. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, once again, thank you so, so much, Georgette.